0: This is Viewpoint with attorney and author Chuck Chrismeyer. Viewpoint is a one-hour talk show confronting the issues of America's heart
1: and home. And now with today's edition of Viewpoint, here is Chuck Chrismeyer.
0: Greta Thunberg said that everything has to change because the climate is self-destructing. Everything has to change, and so some teenagers are bursting into the conversation surrounding so-called climate change, passionately advocating for the planet, and saying, you know what? I'm not going to have any children until the leaders take action. Wow. Well, that was just a few years ago, and now we find that Greta Thunberg is losing her mojo. She's taking on some other issues now because it appears more and more that the whole issue of climate change isn't quite what it's pretended to be. So today on Viewpoint, we want to take a look at where all of that is going. Is there global cooling? Is there global warming? Is it just climate change? Why did they have to change the terminology from originally global cooling in the 1970s to global warming in the late 1980s and then in the late 1990s, to climate change. What is all this about? Are we playing games? And what do you make with the NOAA saying it's official, no warming in the U.S. since at least 2005? What do you make of that? And then what do you make of the fact that evidence now reveals that the planet is feeling the heat of divorce that's right scientists have quantified for the first time the extent to which divorce is damaging the environment the researchers found that the combined use of electricity across the two new households create uh, created rose 53 percent while water use was up 42 percent across america one of 12 countries that were studied Divorce households used 73 billion kilowatt hours of electricity in 2005 that could have been saved if the families had not split up. And that was equivalent to about one-fifth of Britain's total consumption. The study to be published, or has already been published in the Proceedings of the National Academy of Sciences, found that the average number of rooms per household was between 33 and 95% higher for divorced couples than for married couples. Therefore, divorce was contributing substantially to global warming. Hmm. Interesting. Perhaps you never heard of that. But I have three special articles here that tell us the same story. So what are we to believe? What are you to believe? Then, again, another article tells us that a decade-long ice age is predicted because the sun is going to go over to hibernation. We're told that based upon current cycles, they predict solar activity dwindling for 10 years starting from year 2030, and going on to at least 2040. Hmm. Interesting. Even as so-called CO2 goes up, there's going to be global cooling. Who do you believe? And why are these things told us with such serious consequences when in fact 440 scientific papers in 2020 said that there's no consensus that mankind is drawing uh destroying the climate. And then again in 2009, the famous Al Gore giving us the inconvenient truth supposedly told us that the north polar ice cap would completely be ice-free within the next 5 to 7 years. That was in 2009. So by 2016, the ice cap The polar ice cap in the north should have disappeared, but it has not. In fact, I'm told that the ice cap in the south has actually increased. So, what are we to understand? Al Gore told us it was an inconvenient truth. Our guest today says it's a very convenient warming. How modest warming and more CO2 actually are benefiting humanity rather than destroying it. So we want to welcome uh, Gregory Whitestone uh, here to the program today on Viewpoint. Viewpoint does determine destiny, and our viewpoint concerning these issues is determining destiny in one way or the other. So, uh, Greg, it's good to have you on the program.
2: Yeah, thank you so much. Uh, you're right. What we're seeing is, uh, what we're actually seeing the fact show is, is completely at odds with what you're being told, and that's and by almost every metric we look at, um, whether it's crop production, vegetation, human life, uh, length of human life, we find that Earth's ecosystems are thriving and prospering, and it's because of the combination of modest warming and more CO2. Uh, and that's it, it, it's great for humanity; human conditions improve. It. Mm. And we can, we can look we can look through any every everything I've looked at in my new book. Uh, Boy, I tell you what, uh, it's it's a great story. I call it the greatest untold story uh, of the 21st century. Well, and it may is, very well that be. A, that is that of a thriving Earth and thriving humanity. Uh, we should celebrate uh, increases of in CO2. And just as we've seen throughout human history, uh, we've seen that the warm periods were always, always hugely beneficial. In fact, uh, before climate science became politicized, the previous warm periods were called climate optima. Climate optima, and they were called that for a very good reason, uh, because, again, ecosystems and humanity prospered in the much warmer uh, periods of time of human history.
0: It's interesting, uh, as I was going through your book, <clears throat> the forward I found very interesting, written by uh, uh, Dr. William Happer, of uh, of the uh, department of physics at princeton university and uh, his discussion there was so piercing so apt i thought uh, you don't often find that kind of a forward uh, written concerning a subject like this i mean it took some some hutzpah for him to uh, to do that to join with you uh, concerning your book a very convenient warming But, uh, in fact, he was actually supporting virtually everything that you were saying. And uh, you're a a geologist, is that correct? That's right. Yeah. uh,
2: yeah, I'm a geologist and uh, now executive director of the CO2 Coalition. And Dr. Happer uh, is our chair. I work closely with him. Uh Uh, And we have some 150-plus of the top scientists in the world, including... I will say, uh, Dr. John Clauser, the current Nobel laureate in physics, in mm-hmm. fact, that just before our phone call, I was, I was speaking with Dr. Clauser.
0: Well, and he's he's uh, taken some heat uh, for his stance, hasn't he?
2: Uh, yeah, but it's hard to call him a science denier when he's a Nobel laureate in physics.
0: <laughs> I uh, know. <laughs> and he was, uh, but but Greta Thunberg has Thunberg. She has a much greater perception. Than that Nobel scientist, right? Yeah,
2: exactly. And actually, Dr. Klauser was a
3: student
2: uh, of of William Happer uh, back in back in their early days, uh, which is rather interesting. Yeah. But uh, Klauser's his his specialty was quantum physics, uh, and that's what why he won the Nobel Prize.
0: All right. Well, we'll be back with you in just a few moments, Uh, Greg. Uh, hang in there, my friends. A very convenient warming. This $20 book is yours for $18. It's on our website, saveus.org, saveus.org. Call us 1-800-SAVE-USA. We'll be right back. Such a delight today to be joined by uh, Gregory uh, Wrightstone, a geologist, executive director of the CO2 Coalition, and uh, he is seriously uh, concerned about the whole issue of so-called climate change, which encompasses warming, cooling, and all of the variations in between. It's a very convenient term to use. Because no matter what happens, you can attribute it to climate change, you see. So the climate has always changed. Every day, I go and look and see what the weather's going to be like. I want to find out what it's going to be like hour by hour. I want to find out what it's going to be in the next 10 days because I want to be able to somehow gauge my behavior, what I'm going to wear, what we can do, and so on, by those climate ideas. But they change temperatures can change from forty degrees in the morning to 75 degrees in the afternoon that's climate change that's global warming well at least it's warming during the day so what is this business of climate change anyway why that term greg
2: well it it, that's easy because when global warming uh... went went into an eighteen-year pause they had to explain it somehow uh... so now if you just say climate change uh, that encompasses too much rain, not enough rain, too much heat, too much cold, too much snow, not enough snow. No matter what happens, uh, mm-hmm. it's even a little bit unusual. It can be blamed on climate change. And, and you talked about uh, temperatures and warming. Mm-hmm. We're being told that, uh, that there's a climate crisis, and they say it's going to get just terrible if, if we allow temperatures to increase 1.5 degrees centigrade over what it was back then. Uh, before the industrial revolution mm-hmm. well guess what it's already warmed 1.2 degrees of the predicted 1.5 so what they're warning us about think about this they're warning us it can't rise another three tenths of a degree celsius which equates to about half a degree fahrenheit well if if you were sitting in your production studio right now and the temperature went up half a degree or down half a degree you couldn't tell it wouldn't Flip your thermostats on or off, uh, and if you're that concerned about it, uh, about half a degree Fahrenheit of warming, just move 19 miles further north, and your <laughs> average temperature would, would, would drop by half a degree. And we see that's what they're warning us about. We look yeah. at it, we see more than that between uh, 11 a.m. and noon on any given day. Right.
0: Well, Greg, the, the obvious, the, the obvious. Uh thing lurking behind all of this is that there has to be a motivation for driving this kind of agenda and that's where the problem lies the problem doesn't lie with science per se the problem lies with the coercion or cooperation of science with politics to accomplish other agendas doesn't it
2: it does and and you know, why are they doing it? I get asked that all the time, uh, as a scientist, I can't look inside men's and women's souls to see why they're intentionally misleading you or providing disinformation, which they are doing. Uh, but I can tell you as a scientist, I can tell you, this is what they're telling you. And here's what the facts are. And time after time, after time, the facts just don't support these, uh, claims of increasing fires. No, they're decreasing. Uh, of, of increasing drought? No, droughts decreasing. This, look at, looking at this on a global scale, uh, it's it's and that the, the temperatures today are unusual and unprecedented. Uh, that's just not true. As a geologist, you need you need to step back and look at the big picture, which mm-hmm.
0: is what I do. Well, and I think people are not do. willing to look at the big picture if indeed they have reasons for not doing so, and the reason for not doing so is that the climate issue is the number one driver of globalism, of the driving of the globalistic uh, view to unite the world in a one world order. And uh, without that, and without turning that into a quasi-religious pursuit, uh, they have a very hard time finding sufficient force to, uh, shall we say, manipulate the public into yielding to the drastic kinds of uh, so-called repair or protection that the new global government wants to offer to get rid of global warming or climate change.
2: It, yes, and uh, that's why we, why your voice is so important, to get that information out there, get the truth out there, to, to spread the truth really convenient facts mm-hmm. about what's actually happening and it's uh, it's uh, if we're being told that that the earth is is plunging into one climate crisis after another and people are going to die and if that were actually true well we should definitely do everything we can to prevent that but sure this, the 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 backing is just not there and the
0: first thing we should do is stop divorces And uh, (laughs) then we should also stop uh, public schools and busing to public schools and all should go to homeschooling, right? Because the buses are spewing untold amounts of carbon dioxide into the air.
2: Unless they happen to be electric buses, and then they're sitting completely idle. Exactly, because because they they can't function in the cold. Exactly. They can't function in
0: the cold amid the global warming. (laughs)
2: <laughs> right, and the other thing here, when we, if we can just talk about education for a moment, yeah, uh, at the CO2 Coalition, we were we had members that were very concerned about the the state of science education in America, and that our students were being indoctrinated into this climate cult, mm-hmm. taught groupthink instead of critical thinking skills and uh, uh, the scientific method, and so we we've created what's called the CO2 Learning Center. Uh, which can be found at co 2 learningcentercom dot com, mm. and we've created science comic books uh, that are fascinating. They're, they're they're really entertaining. They're done manga style by our. Uh, we brought on a Brazilian artist. Uh, we did also we've also got videos created by the same. Again, mm. these are anime style. But the important thing here, uh, my, all of my grandchildren are are homeschooled. And uh, our daughter loves the materials we put out because we also provide lesson plans that go along with each book, and
3: mm, okay They're wonderful. Yeah, so
2: it's co2learningcenter.com. Uh, and I actually I'm just finishing up my our new beginning first book of the new series. The title of the book you'll like this is "Chloe the Clownfish Sleeps Well at Night," and it's about a clownfish on the Great Barrier Reef who learns in school that. The reef is dying because of climate change. The water's too hot. The water's becoming acid. And we use this story to tell the truth about what's actually happening. Uh-huh. And Chloe the clownfish learns that, no, uh, corals thrive better the hotter the temperature. Yeah. They grow faster, bigger, uh, and the oceans are not becoming acid. They've, they've never been acid in the, since the dawn of time, and they won't be.
0: So, uh, it's your, your center is called co2learningcenter.com? Yes, it is. Learningcenter.com. Okay. I want to make sure can, I write that down.
2: Yeah, you, our lesson plan is provided free there as a PDF. And uh-huh. The books are, are very reasonably priced. Well, uh, that's we're great. Making any money, all right. So well, that's
0: would. great for people who are listening to this program. And I know that we're, there are a lot of homeschoolers that listen to this program. Uh, number of all of our daughters were homeschooled. Uh, for at least 50% of their educational time. And uh, at least four of our grandchildren have been homeschooled. So uh, it's, it's a very important thing. And people aren't willing to look at the things that they could really do to make a difference because they want to do what they want to do. But they would rather submit to disinformation as if it were real information so that they can jump on a bandwagon and keep doing what they want to do no matter the consequences. So it's, well, we're, it's actually, a f- making, we're
2: actually making a difference. Uh, one of our members, John Droz, you may not – it's hard for me to believe when I found out about this. They they removed the scientific method, which is hugely important, from, mm-hmm. from, from uh, the, the school curricula some 20 years ago. Uh, John, we just had a great success at the end of 2023, where he single-handedly got that added back into the North Carolina uh, school standards. Mm. teach the, the scientific method. Uh, it's, it, and, and then in March, we attended the National Science Teaching Association's annual convention. We, we were overwhelmed by teachers wanting this information. And uh, mm. it wasn't long before the head honchos came down, and they said, you have to remove your materials. Yep. Bear in mind, there are 14,000 people were in the middle of the convention with our booth, and they, with security and escorted us out of the convention, because we were providing facts uh, that disputed...
0: Isn't that amazing? Thank you for bringing that to our attention, because it shows you the power of this movement to establish a new global order, and they have to have climate change as their... uh, It's a quasi-religion, is what it is. You use the word cult. It's a cultish kind of thing that tries to use science as a device to carry on an agenda that's actually contrary to the very workings of science. Now, let's uh, take a look at the period of time, these various periods of time, to give people an idea of uh, periods of warmth and cooling. I'm looking here at uh, your book, Humanity and Climate. Blessed warmth, horrific cold. Why did you call it blessed warmth and horrific cold?
2: That's exactly what we find as we look back. It's one of of my favorite subjects, is the linkage between uh, the rise and fall of temperature and the rise and fall of great civilizations, empires, and humanity. Mm -hmm. Uh, We go back to the first great civilizations, uh, the human empires, the great empires that rose up, it was during what was known as the Bronze Age or the Minoan War period. It was a time the, the, uh, the, the Babylonians, the Hittites, the Assyrians, and the Indus River Valley, the mm-hmm. Lophan Empire, you may now, never have heard of. But these great, great empires rose up in this really warm period. Uh, we know it was very warm at that time. For example, they were growing a crop called millet in Scandinavia, which can only be grown in a subtropical or tropical climate. Wow. We can go through historical records like that, uh, and again, uh, these, all these empires and civilizations rose up, and then it started getting cold. And within maybe as short of a period as 50 or 100 years, every one of those empires collapsed. Uh, the only empire that survived, and it was by the skin of its teeth, was the, uh, the old e- Egyptian empire. Uh-huh. Uh, but again, they, they went through terrible times. But all the others collapsed when it started getting cold. And what we found, we saw that they had crop failure, famine, pestilence, and mass depopulation associated
0: with the cold. Okay, that uh, was a period from about 1200 to 250 BC. So right. that that was about uh, almost a thousand years.
2: Yeah, and it, life was good; food was bountiful. We see that associated with each of these warming periods. Yeah, but that was a
0: cold. That was a cold period. Greek Dark Ages.
2: The, dark, the Greek Dark Ages uh, followed. That uh, It was a period, period just terrible. We, we really don't know a whole lot about that because uh, there wasn't much captured, very little written
0: down right. about that period. Because the civilizations were were uh, uh, diminishing,
2: right? And they just and it really didn't start getting better for humanity uh, until the next warming period, which was the Roman Warm Period, the time of Jesus.
3: Uh. Uh,
2: and, and it got, it, things were hugely beneficial. For example, the Romans were growing citrus in the north of England near Hadrian's Wall. We can't <laughs> do that now. And wow. we know from historical records that olive groves uh, and grapes were grown much farther north uh-huh. at that time than what they are today. All
0: right, so that period ran from about 250 B.C. to about 450 A.D. In other words, from... Uh, Before the time of Julius Caesar, up until, uh, well, 400 years after the crucifixion and resurrection of Christ.
2: Yeah. And and it was, again, look at it. The the Roman Empire, for example, it marched, you know, it marches on its food. And the food they were getting in the breadbasket for the Roman Empire, believe it or not, was the northern, North Africa, Tunisia, and Egypt, uh, which hardly are are known as as as, as grain producers today. Uh-huh. Uh, but they were at that time. Uh, but again, it started getting cold, and there were a lot of uh, discussions about what caused the fall of the Roman Empire. Uh, but again, it was associated with this cool, cooling of the earth uh, that led us into the Dark dark Ages.
0: All right, which you say is from a period of about 450 A.D. to 850 A.D. Yes. Okay. And
2: that And and it it was, we know from COVID, we learned, it was reaffirmed that these diseases uh, like influenza and various things prosper in the cold Mm in
0: the Mm -hmm. wintertime. Isn't that uh, where we tend to experience them? Yeah. We'll come back uh, with that after this break. A very convenient warming, how modest warming and more CO2 are benefiting humanity. We'll get to that uh, even more specifically in the final segment of the program today, friends. The book... $18 on our website,
1: saveus.org. You don't want to miss it. There is so much more about Chuck Chris Meyer and Save America Ministries on our website, saveus.org. For example, under the marriage section, God has marriage on his mind.
0: Welcome back to Viewpoint. Our guest today, uh, Gregory Whitestone, geologist, uh, is saying that in reality, things are getting better climate-wise over the world than they have been in the past, that there's an improvement that actually has come because of a warming trend over many, many, many years, not just 10 15, 20 years you have to look at the bigger picture he says and so we're in the process of looking at the bigger picture that's happened during Earth's history as we know it and uh, we've looked at a uh, the Minoan warming period uh, that occurred between 1500 to 1200 BC then the D- Greek Dark ages from 1200 to 250 BC that was a thousand years. Of, of cooling, serious cooling. Then came the Roman warming period from about 250 B.C. to A.D. 450. That would be 600 years of warming. Then came a period called the Dark Ages, from A.D. 450 to A.D. 850. What were those like?
2: Um, yeah, the, the, the Dark Ages. In fact, it, even the Bible, during some of these uh, uh, periods, of references, for example, uh, the Old Testament's Jeremiah eighteen fourteen says, "Does the snow on the mountains of Lebanon ever melt entirely off their nearby rocky cliffs? Mm. Do the cool mountain streams ever dry up?" Well, well, today there's no eternal snow on Lebanon, so we can yeah. take even records from the Bible that refer uh, to that cold period. That
0: would be the period of, of the Greek Dark Ages that you're talking that's about. Correct. Yeah, that's correct. So now yeah, we're maybe, in a new yeah. period of dark ages. Uh, after the Roman warming period that ended about AD 450, then we moved from AD 450 to AD 850. What were those Dark Ages like? I su- I suspect that when you use the word dark, it means dark. In other words, the sun wasn't shining so brightly.
2: Well, it wasn't. It was each of these uh, periods were it was for the most part it was dark because again we uh, civilization went in 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 reverse. If right. You would and it was just terrible. It, right. The word I use a lot is horrific.
0: As uh, with the light that was not emanating from the sun, so the light was not emanating within within the lives of people either.
2: Yeah, and, and at that time too, again, think about it, they, they lived a the hand-to-mouth existence, of mostly agrarian
3: society, mm-hmm.
2: and they could they could survive one bad year because they would keep food in stockpiles. Uh, And maybe even two, but back to back to back, it it became uh, deadly for for people. And again, we we find that we have uh, mass depopulation associated with each one of its cooling
3: Mm -hmm. periods. Uh,
2: In fact, if if you Google "worst year ever," uh, you'll you'll find it was the the year uh, 541 or 536 AD.
3: -hmm. Uh,
2: It was just terrible, widespread famine, hunger, bubonic plague. Things were were just terrible. And, uh, again, we had a massive population.
0: right, so then you move from there to what you call the medieval warm period, from A.D. 850 to A.D. 1250. Uh, That's really the period of the uh, uh, the variations of the papacy in Rome uh, that wasn't all that pretty. But, uh, you call it the medieval warm period. What happened during that period?
2: Oh, life was good. Food was bountiful. The great—it's associated with, with with what's known as the uh, the high Middle Ages. Uh, and again, uh, they didn't have to. The, what, what these warming periods allowed the people to do is instead of spending every last moment eking out a living and survival of food, uh, since food was bountiful, they had time to. To tinker, to dream, to invent. And that's what they did. And we saw great advances Mm -hmm. uh, of of society and inventions during that time. Yeah. Uh, The population of Europe uh, doubled in in just 300 years.
0: Well, it seems to me that that's also the period in which uh, the Vikings uh, moved out of the north into uh, more southern areas. Uh, Things were warming up. And uh, it drew them to uh, even such places as, some would say, even the Americas.
2: Yeah, Greenland was, we, we know for sure, it was, it was settled by Eric the Red.
0: Mm-hmm.
3: Uh,
2: and they were able to, we know it was warmer, too. They were able to grow barley on Greenland. and You can't grow, because it needs a longer growing season, what they have here. So we know it was warmer. Yeah. There are quite a few ways. Again, we can look at olive, olive groves. We can use the scientific Carbon and oxygen isotopes, but people mm-hmm. don't really understand that. But when you tell them that uh, the olive groves were 150 kilometers farther north during this warm period than, uh, than they were before, or I've got a picture in my book of uh, my wife and I standing on the Mendenhall Glacier, and 1,000 feet below us, on top of the, below this, at the base of the glacier, uh, a fully grown forest is now being, the glacier's retreating, which uh-huh. glaciers are doing. Uh-huh. Uh, a fully grown forest from the, the medieval warm period is being exposed, so it had to have been a lot warmer at that time. Yeah, uh, and it was uh, again, uh, it was bountiful. Life was good. Food was food was was
0: plentiful. You have so many pictures and charts and so on in your book that can help uh, the average person see. Uh, your your book isn't just filled with all kinds of uh, highfalutin scientific propaganda but you've written it in such a way to help the average person see what really has happened and to understand it, haven't you?
2: Yeah, I'm, I'm very proud of that, and I, I, I'm told I'm blessed. I, I don't want to sound boastful, but I've been told by many people that I'm blessed with the ability to communicate complicated subjects mm-hmm. to the, to the non scientist and that's, that's really my goal, yeah. is, is, to, is to break those complicated... And they're really not that, that complicated and scientific. And if you can communicate them uh, easily with un- easily understandable charts and images...
0: Well, you have to that, be uh, willing to think outside of an agenda-driven box. If you're willing to think outside an agenda-driven box, which is what science has become... The engine of uh, political endeavors, uh, then you can think rationally as a normal human being and realize, you know, this couldn't possibly be right. Look at the uh, big picture. It couldn't possibly be right what we're being told.
2: Yeah, it isn't. And, and if you look at, if we go back to the Little Ice Age, the most recent cooling period.
0: Yeah, let's talk about uh, that.
2: Yeah, w- what's odd, we're. Is Again, it started cooling, and in the, we know for sure it's very well captured in Europe and Asia mm-hmm. uh, with, with great records of this. And in Europe, it started raining, and it wouldn't stop. And they couldn't get the crops in the ground in the spring. Those they, they, they did plant,
3: mm-hmm. rotted,
2: rotted in the field, didn't ripen. Uh, and this went on for five years of uh, basically just rain and terrible just terrible consequences again.
0: Well, in uh, the mountains, from, then that would that would yield uh, uh, massive freezing and glaciers, uh, of which we see in the Alps and so on. Yeah. And uh, so those glaciers grew, and we see the glory of them now. Some of them are, are there. There's some melting now, but up till 1850, that little ice age uh, produced those glaciers.
2: Yeah, and, and if we look, too, at the beginning of this, they were blaming, again, people were dying, mm-hmm. crops, crops failed, people were dying, famine set in, and they blamed it on weather-causing witches that were spreading. and, they, they, and there, there were thousands of witches that were accused and killed during that time. In fact, I've got a chart in my book, uh, I capture uh, the average number of witches killed per decade in europe and they they kept actually kept very good records of that and then i compared it to uh, extremely cold months during the summer and there was a strong correlation there hmm. you know when, when, it, when it got very cold in the summer again it, famine set in they had
0: to blame and somebody right
2: exactly
0: yeah and you're
2: the you are the new witch because you're driving a gasoline or diesel powered uh, vehicle yeah. Uh, yeah and what happened was rather interesting around 1500 it warmed up again and the crops came back, uh, and you might ask, well, well, you know, why did it warm up? And, and at the time, they said, well, we did really good. We killed all the witches. and Now, God is bestowing his blessings on us with, with great harvests, uh, and that lasted for about 40 years, and then it really started getting cold.
3: Uh, <laughs> but
2: just a huge number of witches that were killed, uh, and, and we know it was very, very cold. For example, I'm calling, talking to you from Arlington, Virginia. Just... Eighteen miles to my south is Mount Vernon, George Washington's. Right. Uh, and, and Martha liked ice in her drinks in the summer. Mm-hmm. And so George dug, dug a, uh, a well, if you will, and it was his ice house. And he would have his enslaved workers go down to the Potomac and uh, cut. They, they had saws. They used to cut the thick ice and bring it up to the ice house. Well, that hasn't happened like that for 25 years. <laughs> it, it's, it, you know, it was a, it was an annual event
3: mm-hmm. that he
2: used to get down, and so just historical documentation like that, people go, "Oh yeah, it had to be colder." Yeah, uh, people understand like that, or, or that the Thames uh, in London froze over year after year after year, uh, and in the last time that happened were, were the uh, mid early eighteen hundreds.
0: All but, right, so since the mid eighteen hundreds. Is it generally true that there has been a gradual warming? Yes. Okay. It's in fits and starts. It's okay. And starts. So this isn't something that is of recent vintage. This isn't something that started with the automobile, uh, with the industrial revolution then necessarily.
2: No, it's, it's been warming for more than 300 years, and, and we can document that thermometer records, the oldest thermometer record of its kind goes back mm-hmm. to 1659, and uh, we, can, we can document, just historical records again, uh, we can document. And that. yet
0: for the last 20 or so years, the records are showing it hasn't really been warming.
2: Yeah, it's the warming that we've seen occur whenever we we'll, we'll get what's called an El Nino, which we've just gone through another El Nino spike, and uh-huh. and we saw that spike. Temperatures in the summer of this past summer 2023, in 2023 and late
3: fall,
0: right?
2: Uh, to see that, but it's associated with this El Nino event, which is a Pacific uh, oceanic uh, right. event that, that causes this warming.
0: All right, we'll uh, get back to some of these uh, further issues then after this break, and we want to talk about the the benefits of CO two. You say, actually, this is a blessing, not a curse. We'll be right back after this, friends. Very convenient, warming, $18 on our website,
1: saveus.org. But the same can be found right now. Go to SaveUs.org and click Sell Church. We can revive first-century Christianity for the 21st century. It's about people, not programs. It's about a body, not a building. That's SaveUs.org. Click Sell Church.
0: Before we get back with our special guest today, I want to share with you some quotations from... Uh, some well-known folk, respected folk in history. And you can find these in the back of our guest book called Notable Quotables on the Issue of Consensus. Here's what Galileo said. In questions of science, the authority of a thousand is not worth the humble reasoning of a single individual. Well, friends, that's just what I said, in other words, about a half an hour ago. Michael Crichton said, there's no such thing as consensus in science. If it's consensus, it isn't science. If it's science, it isn't consensus. Period. Then, another says, whenever you hear the consensus of scientists agrees on something or other, reach for your wallet because you're being had. John Kennedy said, a nation that's afraid to let its people judge the truth and falsehood in an open market is a nation that's afraid of its people. And Albert Einstein, genius abhors consensus because when consensus is reached, thinking stops. And then finally, Abba Ibn, an Israeli diplomat, made this statement. A consensus means that everyone agrees to say collectively not one note what no one really believes individually. Fascinating statements that bear Listening to. Now, in our final segment here today with our special guest, uh, Gregory Whitestone, and his book, A Very Convenient Warming How Modest Warming and Mere CO2 Are Benefiting Humanity, we want to talk about the benefiting part. We've looked at the history, we've looked at what uh, the various agendas are and why they're being promoted. Now we want to take a look at facts as it relates to the issue of CO2, carbon dioxide itself. Now simply put Greg tell us what you believe and what scientists know to be true concerning CO2 and its benefits.
2: Oh the, the greatest benefit has to be the vegetation and I, under that wide category it, the, the most important thing we talk about here is is agricultural production mm-hmm. and we see it just in the book I, I think I captured the top 8 crops of the world in terms of tonnage that's produced and all all eight are breaking records year after year. We find that this is true in the coal companies, countries, Mm -hmm. as well as some of the hottest. Mm -hmm. Uh, We're doing a book. I'm working with Vijay Jayaraj, uh, who is my research associate, Mm -hmm. uh, who's finishing up. He's looking at India specifically. And we see the same thing in a warm country like India, that that they're saying, well, the heat's, the heat's too hot. It's going to drive agriculture into famine and, and crop failure. And we just see the opposite. Uh, even in India, mm. uh, cr- agriculture production is breaking records year after year. And so what we find is it's this combination of warming. There are really three legs on agriculture. And there are three things driving agricultural production output. Uh, the greatest, they say, that we look at is, is carbon dioxide increase because mm-hmm. rather than being in a deficit or in having too much carbon dioxide, we don't have enough. We're actually CO two impoverished uh, because, of, of course, photosynthesis. You need what do you need? Water, sunlight, and carbon dioxide. And the more carbon dioxide, the better. Mm-hmm. And, and so the planet, and the except
0: for humans, up. except for human consumption.
2: Um, not really. There's uh, we don't really we're at 400 parts per million right now, and it really doesn't. You don't get any negative effects until you get well over 5,000. Yeah. Uh, so we could, uh, you know, 15 times what we are today, and we're nowhere near that. So, the, the, it's, bear in mind, carbon dioxide, four hundredths of a percent.
0: Of oh, four hundredths of a percent. Okay.
2: Uh, so it's 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 a very small but important yeah. uh, molecule. Uh, but the other thing here is warming that we're seeing again. It's been warming for more than 300 years. Uh, the warming means we have longer growing seasons, uh, killing frost stop earlier in the spring and arrive later in the fall. In fact, uh, in the book I document that, that the growing season, the length of growing season in the continental United States, has increased more than two weeks since 1900. And that's important. You get more plantings.
3: Mm-hmm. Uh, and if
2: you've got a, if you've got an apple orchard, what do you fear the worst? a late spring killing frost. Right. And because of warming... You well, that's what that.
0: Florida fears with its oranges, too.
2: Exactly. And and we see that a lot of this warming isn't really increases in high temperatures, but rather increasing temperatures at nighttime. The coldest temperatures are getting warmer. That's a good thing. Mm. And the third thing, we got warming, more CO2, and the third thing is driving... Uh, Agricultural output since 1950, mid, mid-20th century, uh, is the use of nitrogen fertilizer. Mm-hmm. And this nitrogen fertilizer is, what do they, how do they make it? Fossil fuels, mainly natural gas. So we've got, uh, you know, we should celebrate this. That we're able to feed a growing population. Uh, the only places on Earth uh, that, that have a famine problem or food production problem are those of war-torn countries where where they can't distribute the food. Mm -hmm. Uh, And so, you know, as a Christian, we should celebrate uh, this bountiful food production we're seeing.
0: All right, let's take a look then at the so-called answers or solutions that are being offered with regard to curtailing global warming and CO2 production, which they say is the thing that's causing it, but you're saying, no, this is bettering it. But let's take a look at what's happening that actually is diminishing CO2 and its benefits on the planet.
2: Yeah. What what do they? Let's look at what they want to do. What they want to do? uh, We just talked about the importance of carbon dioxide, right? And now they want to strip it out of the atmosphere. They want to make it. uh, They want to lower the carbon dioxide levels, which would directly impact agricultural output. Mm -hmm. Uh, They want to block the sun. There's actual talk of geoengineering. Yes. in in the sky various methods to block the sun what's that going to do well biden's
0: talked about that
2: yeah decrease agricultural output even more and we see they're trying to ban nitrogen-based fertilizer
0: and why would that be because they want to control the production of food and who gets it it's all about globalism again
2: in our we wrote a lengthy report on this last year i did it with dr happer uh, and richard linson and in that in that paper we predicted millions of, of deaths associated with with this net zero movement mm-hmm. it's really an anti-human movement is what mm-hmm. i call it. it's anti-human wow. uh, we should we should support uh, those that build up people that build up agricultural production all right
0: well this fits then greg with uh, bill gates uh, proclamations that we have to reduce the population of the world by two thirds. Yeah. This is how you do it.
2: Yeah. And, uh, you know, you go first, Bill. No, thank you. I don't want any parts of it.
0: Yeah. Okay. Now how about all the, uh, like the windmills out there, what are those doing to, uh, to help us? And what are they doing to actually be detrimental? Oh, other than destroying the landscape.
2: Yeah, well, they, they do that pretty well. Uh, in fact, uh, I used to live in Pennsylvania. There we have the Pennsylvania Game Commission control some 1.2 million acres in the state of Pennsylvania. Uh, and the State Game Commission, These, are, bear in mind, these are attractive areas for wind turbines on the ridgetops along the Appalachian right.
3: Mountains. Mm-hmm. And
2: they have a permanent ban on any solar or wind facilities. They said it's contrary to their state of purpose is to preserve wildlife and to preserve the mountains uh, for the people of Pennsylvania. So they've actually, and I listened to their meeting, and I I listened to the recording of it, and these guys and gals that were on this this committee were just vitriolic in their dislike and hatred for wind turbines, because some of them live near them. You can Mm -hmm. hear the thump, thump, and it it just spoils the scenery uh, and, and, and kills
0: Obviously, and now good. they want to put them out in the uh, the coastal oceans along the East Coast, and uh, the whales are dying, and they can't understand why the whales are dying, uh, yet they claim to be ecologically uh, driven as uh, uh, political liberals. Something doesn't fit.
2: No, it doesn't. Something's rotten in Denmark, and it's, <laughs> it's this entire environment. You know, we have one of our board members, Patrick Moore, was a co-founder of Greenpeace. And he, he was on, he, he traveled, he was on those the, he was on those Zodiac boats, if you recall, back in the uh, the Japanese and the Soviet fishing fleets were going out after whales. Mm. Uh, and they shot a harpoon over his head. Well, he, he wised up. He said Greenpeace lost its way. When they first started out, there was a noble cause. But then they went way off the rails. And he's mm. part of the board of directors of the CO2 Coalition. Really? And he, he speaks forcefully uh, about this cuz he's he's called out Greenpeace cuz they're not standing up for the whales they're not standing up for the dolphins that are being killed
0: how about the and, eagles
2: and the eagles are 15,000 US Fish and Wildlife Service has a, a bag limit of 15,000 bald eagles per year that that wind turbines can kill they
0: i thought kill though them. i thought though that the US government uh, was so sincere about uh, trying to protect the bald eagle as America's eagle uh, as an endangered species?
3: Yeah, well, not,
2: not so much. Not anymore, because it, it, tr- it conflicts with the, this, the green agenda and net zero. And it's the golden eagles out west. Altamont
3: Pass mm-hmm.
2: is, is a terrible, terrible butchery graveyard. for, for And condors, the golden eagles and condors. Uh, and it's just, just horrid. Uh, You know, the the people pushing this is, well, cats kill a lot more. Well, cats kill things like sparrows and robins. Mm -hmm. They don't kill bald eagles or golden (laughs) eagles.
0: I don't think so.
2: Let me me tell you, Chuck, if you've got a cat that can kill a golden eagle, uh, I wouldn't let that cat near my grandkids.
0: No No way, no way. That's probably a bobcat or something. (laughs) Well, listen, how how are we going to uh, cool the heat wave rhetoric?
2: Uh, with the facts, I, I think the science wins out here. Uh, people are also effectively going to get opposed to this when it hits them in the pocketbook, like they did me with my home in Florida. Mm-hmm. Uh, where we, when we moved there, we our average electricity bills one forty nine uh, for three months this year. We were over five hundred dollars a month. Mm-hmm. Like, people just can't. People can't do it. Yeah, uh, and when they start getting hit seriously in their pocketbook. Um, they're going to wake up, but but I, we as scientists here at the CO2 Coalition, we're, we are the preeminent scientific organization in the world that, that's fighting back against this uh, climate crisis
0: narrative. All right. So, what do you say to the uh, Biden administration concerning its effort to uh, reduce production of oil and gas in America?
2: Oh, he just canceled a permit process for liquefied natural gas, LNG facilities, uh, it's, it's just hor- horrifically bad. We're, it's all about
0: problem. bringing this country under control of the new global empire, isn't it?
2: It is. Uh, fortunately, most of this new shale gas exploration, mm-hmm. again, I was in the forefront of that back uh, some 15, 18 years ago, with the shale gas and shale, shale oil are almost entirely on privately held property. Very, very little is on, is, is on the U.S. Forest Service mm-hmm. or, or federal properties. But they are shutting down that in the Gulf of Mexico, uh, which produces about 10% of our oil production in the United States. So the good news is there's not much they can do to shut down drilling on private lands. Uh, but, but what they can do, for example, the Marcella Shale of the eastern United States is the largest natural gas field in the world by far. Uh, In fact, when I was doing the writing and researching that, we looked at the top ten conventional gas fields in the world. The top ten, think about this, the top ten largest natural gas fields in the world combined didn't equal the Marcellus Shale. That's how much gas is there. Wow. And you can't, where they need it is New England, badly. Oh, yeah. But... New York and New Jersey both have pipeline bans, so they can't get the gas from Pennsylvania to West
0: Virginia. Wow, okay. Well, you and I have a lot to to talk about. I'm so grateful for your joining us here, Greg, uh, concerning this, what you call a very convenient warming, a modest warming and more CO2 are actually benefiting humanity. The book, friends, is a $20 book, yours for $18, on our website, saveus.org. You can call us at 1-800-SAVE-USA, 1-800-SAVE-USA, or write to us at Save America Ministries, P.O. Box 70879, Richmond, Virginia, 23255. Writing a check at $5 for postage and handling. Also, access the website co2learningcenter.com for your kids, your grandkids, and so on, even for your own edification on this matter. Blessings, Greg. Thanks so much for joining us.
1: Thank you.